Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our reading today comes from the book of 1 Kings 19, 1-10. You may find this reading on page 322 of your Pew Bible. First, let us pray. Loving God, we come to worship with a longing in our hearts for everything that is broken to be made right, for the world to be a better place, and for our lives to reflect your love. Speak to us once again words of good news. May these words inspire and empower us for the week ahead. Amen. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. He got up and fled for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, Lord, Take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angels of the Lord came a second time touched him and said, get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank, and then he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. At that place he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, what are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen.
Well, I'd like you to think, if you would, about something that you're afraid of. Something that you fear. It could be something trivial. It could be something significant. And if you can, think about where that fear comes from. It might be because of some particular experience that you had, but sometimes fear lives too deep in the recesses of some long-forgotten childhood memory. We can't really place where it came from. And if you can hold on to that thought, right, that, that thing that you fear, I want to ask you this. Are there ways that that fear affects your life? Are there things or places that you avoid because of that fear? Do others know that you harbor such fear? When I was uh, younger, I was afraid of dogs. I'm not sure exactly where the fear came from. If you ask my parents, there's a story that they are unsure of, but... The story is that when we lived in Indiana, there was a large door that, a large dog that lived next door, and it knocked me down one time. Now, I don't remember that. And so if it did happen, it's fascinating to me that the fear lived on, but the incident that caused the fear was lost to me. I do remember that by the time we moved to Georgia when I was five, the fear of dogs was very real for me. What I remember is that I would have recurring nightmares where I was being chased and attacked by dogs. And so we, we moved into this new house in Georgia. I discovered with dread that the Carlsons next door, they had a dog with the menacing name of Muffin. Muffin was not a big dog. But here's the thing. Muffin ruled my existence. The Carlsons didn't have a fenced-in yard, and so Muffin was free to roam around the property. And so if that dog was outside, I was inside. And sometimes I wouldn't even go outside because of the fear that they might let Muffin out while I was outside because my fear grew to no longer be of the actual dog but of the possibility of that dog. I think a lot of our lives are lived between hope on one hand and fear on the other. We live, in a way, constantly between hope and fear. We hold both. We live both. We are pendulums in motion, rocking back and forth, at once fearful, at another time hopeful. And I think, for me, many of life's choices can be made either in retreat from fear or made in reaching for some hope. And so it can feel like we exist between them, running away from one while also simultaneously drawing nearer to the other. 
In fact, think, think now about some of the biggest decisions that you have made in your life. Think of maybe just two or three of those. And I bet we could categorize those decisions as either rooted in fear or guided by some hope. And a question worth reflecting on in this Advent time, this waiting time, is which one, which one, hope or fear, which one guides more of your decisions in life? Which one gets more living space in your day-to-day? And no matter what your answer is to that question, how can any of us, all of us, give more space to hope in our lives? How could we inspire more hope in the lives of others in this world? In the the weeks ahead, as we keep talking about this, these hopes, these fears, we're going to hear a little bit about Mary, we're going to hear a little bit about Zechariah. Two people, as it turns out, who can teach us a great deal about hope. And I think it's worth noting that their hopefulness, when we hear their stories, they weren't without their own doses of fear if they had chosen it. You see, Mary was dealing with the fears of what Joseph would do or think, not to mention what the the culture and community around her would say and do about this pregnancy of hers. For the duration of those nine months, perhaps even for the rest of her life, I don't think Mary would have been unaware of the whispers or the stares or the judgment. But she also knew that that child came with promises and with hope. And so what would she choose? What did she choose? Why did she choose it? Was it out of hope? Or was it out of fear? Zechariah, when we read about him, he in many ways is the exact opposite of Mary. You see, Mary's a woman. Zechariah's a man. He is old. She is young. She is, for all intents and purposes, a nobody. And he is an important religious figure. And it's true that he wanted a child, but at his age, I have to imagine, news of impending fatherhood came with its own concerns. Perhaps his biggest fear was that the promise of this child would never come to fruition. Because sometimes the biggest fear of all is that we would dare to hope. That we would dare to hope and risk being met with disappointment. And so for Zechariah too, would he live in hope or in fear? Today we read about Elijah, not, I'll admit, a typical Advent scripture. But we meet Elijah today after he has just done something quite amazing. He's gone head to head with all these prophets of Baal, 400 of them, as it turns out. And Elijah prevails. He wins. It is surely a high point in his prophetic service to God. But at the same time, his actions anger Queen Jezebel, who threatens his life. She vows, she says, by this time tomorrow, 
I'll make you as dead as they are. And I don't blame Elijah. He freaks, right? He takes off, literally heads for the hills to hide away. And so we find him alone. We find him with his life in danger. We find him lost. We find him afraid. What is his fear? To paraphrase, he, he says to God, I am alone and I am at the mercies of this world. I am at the mercy of that which I cannot control. And I'm afraid it will be my undoing. And I cannot do it by myself. I have felt that way. I don't know if you have as well. I think perhaps most poignantly, we are still processing how these past nearly three years have felt that way to many of us at times. The ways in which so many of us have felt isolated. Studies by the World Health Organization find that the pandemic triggered a 25% increase in the prevalence of anxiety, a 25% increase in the prevalence of depression, and that's worldwide. In addition, during the pandemic, research finds that 40% of adults in the United States reported feeling symptoms of anxiety and depression. Many of these symptoms spring, they find, from issues related to isolation, to feeling alone. If there's one thing fear can do to us, it is to make us feel alone and stuck. It's clear when we read about Elijah here that he feels stuck. Fear has a way of holding him, holding us in place, preventing us from living courageously. Fear can hem us in. It can prevent us from healing the wounds that we have suffered in this life. And it can also, importantly, because of shame, keep us away from relationships that are good for us. Fear can, if we let it, keep us cooped, out, cooped up inside while it runs amok in the neighbor's yard next door. But here's the thing. I think maybe, just maybe, fear and hope actually live kind of close to each other. I think when handled properly, fear can speak to hope, and hope can transform fear. Sometimes, to go further, sometimes I think even our hopes, our hopes can spring directly out of our fears. Here's what I mean by that. So, I had this fear of dogs, right? And by the time I was 12, I decided that fear of the dogs was, here comes the dad joke, right? Fear of the dogs is for, it's for the dogs. I decided as a result that we needed a dog in our family, and it was best for my sake if we go ahead and get a really big dog. And so out of the blue, I told my parents, we just needed to get a moderately sized St. Bernard. It will not shock you that they did not go for that suggestion. 
But we did get a Maltese named Taffy. <laughs> and Taffy broke my fear. Because now I'm a dog person. No offense to you cat people out there. I mean, there is something maybe a little wrong with you, but no offense to you cat people out there. But I love dogs. Meredith and I have two dogs now, Bernie and Warren, and you know, excuse to show your pets up on the screen. More than that, if I am ever over at your house and you have a dog, I will befriend your dog. Because friends, sometimes in our lives, fears can in fact be transformed. Every dog that I meet is a reminder to me that fear can be transformed. Sometimes unlocking our fear can help us find our way to hope. Now, Elijah never really states his hope. He's good at talking about his fears. But if hopes and fears are related, I think we can make some guesses at his hopes. His fear, we see, is that he's all alone. His hope, then, I want to suggest, is that God's work is not his alone to do. He hopes to find someone aimed at the same things in life, that, that someone who is as concerned with God's mission and kingdom as Elijah is, someone who is courageous for God. I think we do well as this Advent season begins to think a bit about our fears, not to dwell on them per se, but to name them. And once we have named them, to share them. To share them first and foremost with God, because I think being honest with God about our fears is important, and it's one of the things that Elijah teaches us. When I was in seminary, one of my summer jobs was working at a camp near Santa Cruz, California, near, named Mount Hermon. I worked at the family camp that summer, and my job was to work with the college students who, was there, who were there, but one of the weeks of camp is homeschool week, and there's not a lot of college homeschool, right? And so that week, I got to work with the high schoolers. And on opening night, we have all of these high school kids who are there for programming. And about 30 minutes in, Beth, who was in charge, she noticed that one of the students was missing. That's not good if you ever work with students, right? So we all tried to play it really cool uh, while we are all frantically also looking for this missing kid. And it's Beth that found him. He was outside, outside the building, just sitting by himself. She went over and, and asked him, is everything okay? Are, are you okay? And this kid, he just said he was afraid, and so he was praying. Well, Beth asked him, well, what, what are you afraid of? And this awesome and honest and shy high school student said, well, I'm just afraid I'm not going to make any friends this week. And so I was praying that, that maybe God would give me some friends. 
And Beth, realizing a little bit of the irony of the moment and in her, her wisdom, said, that's a great prayer. How about we go back inside to where all the people are? Maybe that's where God has put some of those friends. Elijah and that kid could have a pretty good conversation. You see, he's honest about what's going on. He prays to God, saying, I did all of these things for you, God, and yet, yet here I am all alone, and I'm hunted, and how do you expect me to feel? And God hears that. More than that, I think God takes Elijah's fear and transforms it into hope. And so God responds right after where we uh, finished our reading today. God says, listen for me, for I am coming. And in the quiet, Elijah hears God's voice saying, listen, you have got to get to where some people are. You got to get off this lonely mountain of fear. And if you can bring yourself to do that, you're going to meet this guy named Elisha. And the two of you, you're going to be the Bert and Ernie, you're going to be the Johnny and June, the Fred Astaire and Ginger Ross, the, the Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey of the prophetic world. And when I read this part of Elijah's story, I wonder if maybe, just maybe, Part of dealing with our fears, part of what transforms our fears into hopes, is to open them up to God and begin that conversation. But I also want to challenge you to share that conversation with someone you know, someone who's close to you. And when you talk about your fears with that person, I, I think we take a step closer to revealing the hope that can hide within that fear. We in this community, we want to be with you in your fears and in your hopes. We encourage you to share them with each other because that's what community does. As often as we offer those things to God, we should be talking about that with each other. In fact, after worship today, I encourage you to go through Friendship Hall. You'll see a display there that Pastor Hallie has done. I think we, we have a photo of it. In this space, there are, uh, are little tags there that you can write your hopes and fears on and hang them on that wall. It is and will be a reminder of how each and every one of us is in the process of transforming. A reminder that we need a God who meets us when we aren't quite ready yet with those fears. Because this season, let's be honest, it always catches us when we aren't quite ready. We can feel like those fears are still a little too close, like some of those hopes maybe are a little too far away. And I'm here to tell you that that's okay. I think God's love meets us exactly where we are and exactly as we are. It met Zechariah just like that, and Mary and Elijah. It's a, it's a love that meets us right here between our fears and our hopes. 
It speaks to us in the face of our fears. It addresses us in the joy of our hope. And so in this season, we are preparing for the arrival of Christ. It's a story where Jesus does not enter a perfect world that is fully prepared or without fear. In fact, Jesus comes to a broken and beautiful world that, frankly, is kind of laughably unprepared for him. I mean, part of the story is there's not room for the end. They literally aren't ready. And so if you're thinking that's your story, too, as we begin this waiting, this Advent season, if, you're, if that's you, well, then join the club. Welcome to what I call kind of this, uh, this parade that is all of us, this parade of the not yet ready, the parade of the stumbling along, the parade of those of us who are running from fear one minute and reaching for hope the next. But it is a parade where we are stumbling together. And I think that counts for something. And if we can do that together, perhaps we can feel a little less alone in our fear and a little more encouraged toward hope on this day. Friends, pray with me. God, we pray that we would share our fears with you. We pray that we would share our hopes with you. And we pray that you would hear us. We pray that you would guide us. We pray that we would find those around us who love us in our fear and who love us with hope. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.